0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.Church, every life made different. Thank you for joining us as we close out our series, The Gospel According to. Throughout the last few weeks, if you've joined us or maybe you've watched online, um, you know that we have taken some excerpts, some quotes, some pieces of common culture today, and we've looked at those and held them to the gospel. Some of them contradicted the gospel. Some of them uh, might be redeemable to kind of share the gospel a little bit, uh, but believing that the word the gospel actually means good news, we know that our culture sells us a lot of good news every day, wherever we look. And so what we, uh, we desire to do with this series is we wanted this to be an invite series where we can invite family or friends that wouldn't normally feel comfortable coming into a church building to invite them to enjoy Harry Potter, Harry Styles, the Beatles. If you don't know who Harry Styles is, you know who the Beatles is and vice versa. Um, and we, the first week we talked about Disney. Who doesn't like Disney? If you don't like Disney, we'll talk about it after service. Um, Listen, and again, we're, we're not fully endorsing all of these topics. Um, today, I'm not here, a spokesperson, to sell you anything about Marvel. Um, listen, this is just something that we are going to take. We're going to take some themes from this today and redeem it because we serve a God who is a redeemer, who takes things that are broken or are missing a piece, puts them back together, and uses them for a greater purpose. Do you believe that today, church? Amen, that's right, I know Blairsville is shouting me down right now, all right? So we're gonna take a few pieces from this and redeem it. Um, Today, if you are a Marvel nerd, if you are a Marvel freak, welcome, and if you have no idea what Marvel even is, you are welcome too. I'm gonna kinda go down, right down the middle of the road today, give you a brief introduction of some of these characters, but mainly we're gonna stick to the high points And we're gonna share the gospel of Jesus Christ today. So sit back and enjoy yourselves a little bit. If you don't know what we're talking about, that is okay. Everybody has heard a story about a hero before. There's something about stories that we connect with so naturally. Some of us like to read them. Some of them like to listen to them. And some of us like to be lazy, like myself, and sit in front of a gigantic screen, have a gigantic pile of popcorn. It's not even a bucket anymore. It's a pile of popcorn and have a nice cold Coca-Cola, and just be immersed in this great story that someone spent so much time and so much money to, to produce for us, right? There's something about a good story that we're all drawn to, whether we read it, we hear it, or we see it. We connect ourselves to characters that we've never met before. We find ourselves going places we've never been. We're on these great adventures, which we would never take the risk to go on in the first place, except for we are in our comfy spot with a nice book, or we're in a theater with a bunch of strangers that we'd never hang out with, by the way. But since it's on the screen, we're all watching it together. And again, it is an immersive experience. A good story helps us escape from the chaos that's happening outside of where we are. It helps us feel deep emotions of loss and shame and guilt without costing us the real cost, which is failure. We also have great emotions of triumph when when the hero wins or, or when we see somebody do better in these stories. We cheer with them and we take possession of that same emotion that they show us. It is no different in the Marvel series of comics and movies. Marvel Comics started back in the 1930s. It was called Timely Comics back then. Comics were all the rage there for about two decades, but in the later part of the 50s, they began to lose their momentum. And in the 60s, the early 60s, there was another comic company, DC, that came out and started to take up this banner of comics. They began coming to grips with the reality that alone they would not make it. So they started coming against Marvel. It was this friendly rivalry between writers and creators. And so the DC universe became the opposite of the Marvel universe and it actually helped them. They brought upon legendary creators like Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, and Steve Ditko. Um, Stan Lee is a has passed on, but he makes appearances, cameos, in almost all of the most recent Marvel movies, which is pretty special. Marvel, in the last uh, decade, just over a decade, has produced over 30 films as they partnered with Disney to resurrect their franchise yet again on the main screen. And that's where we stand today. Now, I don't expect that everybody in the room has read every page of every Marvel comic, that's okay. Today, I don't expect that you've seen every Marvel movie. And again, I'm gonna take a middle of the road stance here and say I don't necessarily endorse you to do that. If you've seen all them, that's fine. Uh, That's quite all right, that's your decision to make. But all of us have heard a story of a hero. So today we'll mention some names of heroes. If you know who they are, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. Two. The idea is that every story has a piece of the greatest story ever told, the true gospel that we read about in God's word, somewhere in there if we would just look for it and redeem it. There are themes throughout these stories of these heroes. There's tragedy, defeat, failure, triumph. There's all kinds of turns and twists in the plots, but one of the themes that is overarching in all of these stories of any hero is the story of redemption. Whether you're reading a story, a fairy tale, or any other fiction character, or maybe you're reading a biography of someone who's triumphed. We see some people that become a hero. We see the good side. We see the public side, but what we really relate to is their failure, their shortcomings, Every hero has a flaw, and that's where we most relate. But in these movies, in these Marvel creations, there is a redemptive theme to where these heroes win when they overcome first their own faults and then join together to defeat evil. Who doesn't like a story like that when the good guy wins? As children, you might've dressed up as your hero my boys, in our house, we have three boys, and and my boys, when I come home from work, either they're standing there in the living room, shirtless. It's true, right? And it's time to wrestle. I know what time it is. So I take my shirt off. I'm kidding, I don't. And we we get down on the floor in the living room and take care of business. Now, if I come home another day, and someone's running around in a Captain America uniform with the bulging muscles, you know what I'm talking about? The padding? Oh, yeah. I know we are going to have an adventure and save the entire universe as long as Daddy gets to be Thor. <laughs> All right? You can be Cap. I get to be Thor. Uh, I most relate to Thor, by the way, because if I grew out my hair, I would look just like him. 100%. <laughs> I also wield a hammer. Okay. Um, all joking aside, uh, I know that as children, we often dressed up like our heroes and though we weren't right out there with their own faults, maybe as we children, we didn't connect that. But as we become more mature and understand that no one truly is perfect, we see things through a different lens and we view these stories of these heroes and relate to them. The gospel according to Marvel says, heroes need a team. Two of the most iconic words that are spoken by Captain America, one of the leaders of this collective of heroes called the Avengers are these two words, say them with me, Avengers assemble. Say with me, Avengers assemble, yeah. That is a powerful, powerful phrase, just two words, but you know when that happens in any of these movies or in any of these stories, something good is about to go down. Your blood pressure rises again. I've got goosebumps again, just by saying it. Again, maybe you can't relate. That's okay. That just means something good is about to happen. All of these heroes need a team and they need someone to rally them. You see, these heroes have various different strengths and abilities. Some of them are mystical and magical. Again, wherever you uh, stand on that, that's up to you. Some of them are mystical, magical. Some of them, like Steve Rogers, Captain America, was created into this superhuman being. Some of them, like Thor, are demigods that have these great powers from some own known source. And some of them are just normal, very attractive. All the good guys and and girls are very attractive. They're good looking people. It's just like Disney. All the the good guys are handsome and all the bad guys are ugly. I don't, anyway, there's a theme there somewhere. We're not going to get into that. But no matter what their strength is, maybe they're a genius like Iron Man. He's the heir of a great uh, weapons manufacturing company. He's a genius himself, can build just about anything in these suits, and it's so intricate. These minds, or Bruce Banner, who's an excellent scientist. Listen, no matter their strengths, they still need a team. No matter their strengths, maybe it's Spider-Man who can shoot webs out of his wrist, which is kind of weird but cool in the same way. They have a longing in their heart. They know that in and of themselves, they are greater than their neighbor. They have strengths and abilities that are not normal, but they still need other people. There comes a realization in every origin story of these heroes that they are alone, that they are isolated because of their special gift. And their deep desire, their deepest desire is to be known and cared for by people that understand the burden that they carry. Oftentimes this cannot be their family because it puts them in danger and it can't just be a normal human being without abilities because they just don't understand. Although these heroes have this great deep desire in their heart to be loved and to be known and cared for, it is still a struggle in them to submit themselves to the correction and the guidance and the leadership of a team. The gospel that we read in scripture, the gospel says Christ followers need community. You see, these two themes align. And today my points will align with the word of God. At some point, we're going to redeem them for the sake of the gospel. But every Christ follower needs community. You may not think it. And you might've heard a lie from somebody that said, well, I can be a Christian outside of the context of a Christian community. That is only a half truth. Yes, you can be saved, but I challenge you, you cannot be the best Christ follower, the person that you are called to be outside of the context of Christian community. You see, you are greater when you are part of a team, when you are part of a community. Otherwise, when we fail, we're alone. There is no one to pick us up. There's no one to encourage us. Church family, do you hear me? Amen, that's right. Ecclesiastes tells us this in chapter four, verse nine, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Listen, I understand that each person in this room has unique abilities, Some of you guys are very smart. Some of you have amazing skills and I am yet to understand all of what God has blessed you with. But I wanna make this known to you. You have a very important role to play in the body of Christ. This team is not the same without you. Again, when we fail, we need someone to pick us up. Have we ever thought that others may need us to pick them up? Have every ever thought that because your marriage is so great, you think you don't need someone to come alongside you, another couple to join you and fellowship with you? No, we're good, our marriage is good. What about the other marriage? Could you come alongside them and hold them up, prop them up, give them the word of God that is spoken so clearly to you and into your marriage? Could you do that for them? We need a community of believers. Paul spoke to the church in Corinth in his first letter At the time, they were quarreling amongst themselves. You see, they were trying to grasp this idea that the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And we believe in those gifts here at Summit Church. But they were fighting against each other because these gifts seemed to display themselves differently. And they were trying to categorize them from most important to least important as far as how they practiced in the church. And as human beings, when we see people's gift, right, what's the first person, what's the first thing that you ask somebody when you meet them? Hey, how are you? Hey, good. I'm so-and-so. What's your name? And what do you do for a living? What we're asking is, what are you good at? What is your skill set? What, what do you love to do? We desire that. But as human beings, we begin to categorize people based on their skills and ability. And that is not the way we should be in the body of Christ. Paul is speaking against this because what it does is we devalue the members of our body. Paul is explaining in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the body of Christ, the church, again, the early church and the church today operates like a human body. And we are all different parts that play a role in the homeostasis or the operation, regular operation of that body. He says this in verse 25. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Listen, we need to be a community and we believe in a community here at Summit Church that celebrates the wins and lifts each other up when we fail. This is the power of the Avengers, this squad of heroes that we see in Marvel. Again, Captain America being one of the leaders of this group reminds them almost every single movie, listen, we win together and we fail together, but you are not alone. I said this before that each one of you has a gift. Each one of you is an individual that is created by a craftsman, our creator, with a purpose and a plan for your life. It is very important to us here at Summit that you walk into that purpose that God has for you. This is why we offer a number of different ways to get involved with our community here at Summit. Now, I know you hear us share about our new semester of small groups. Listen, we love small groups. We love seeing people come together, fellowship with one another, and grow spiritually with one another in a small group context. That's very important to us. That is community. It is in that context that you are encouraged, that you build strong relationships with people that can stand by you even on your darkest day. These same people will celebrate your accomplishments with you. You see, small groups is more than just a number of how many groups we have or how many households we have meeting during the week, during a semester. No, this is how we foster healthy relationships here at Summit Church. You see, we believe that within that context, you will go so much further in accomplishing what God has called you to do than you would just attending on a weekend here at Summit. That's why we ask you to be a part of Growth Trek and to embrace these next steps Also, you've probably been ministered to by one of our members of our Dream Teams. One of the greatest things about Summit Church is we have an army of Dream Team members that prepare during the week for our weekend gatherings and for what we do here at Summit Church. They are the crown jewel, I cannot say enough, about the members of our Dream Teams, both here in Indiana and in Blairsville. They lead serve teams in the community, in the greater Indiana area and beyond. And they gather teams together. You see, these people know that their job is not just to be a warm body holding a door. They know that their job is far greater than preparing communion elements for you guys to participate in communion together and struggle with those little tabs. Those are hard. But they understand that as a dream team member and a dream team leader, that they are developing people's appetite to do the work of God. And what they're encouraging them to do is let the Lord dream dreams in their hearts and give them a passion and a vision for what he's calling them to do. And then we release them into doing that. That's why we ask you to be a part of those things. It's not so we have enough people to open doors. That's very important. Thank you for those that open doors. And it's not so we can count how many small groups we have and be happy with a number. Thank you all that lead and attend a small group, but it is for your benefit. We believe, and I can't harp on this enough, you are an answer to prayer today. If you can hear my voice, whether you're in Blairsville or you're here in the room or you're watching online or listening to this as a part of our extended Summit family, listen, you are an answer to prayer. For decades, members of this fellowship, of this congregation have prayed, Lord, expand your kingdom in this community and beyond and use us however you see fit. Give us a vision for what you are calling us to do and deliver people who are passionate and who you will develop that desire and passion for the people you want to reach the most in this community. That's you. You are an answer to prayer. Will you step into that calling that God has for you, stepping into community? We are all members of one body. Some of us may not be the out front person. Maybe we're crabby before 9 a.m. That's okay, me too. Me too. Okay, maybe we don't wanna hold the door, but listen, there is a place for you, an essential role for you to play in the body of Christ. If the Avengers need a team, the members of this body need a community and operate best as well. Secondly, the gospel of Marvel says that villains are deceptive. I know that's just gonna woo, that's gonna touch your spirit right there. Throughout the Marvel Comics universe, we see several different um, uh, antagonists arise. We see Thanos, Ultron, Red Skull. We could name some of the minor ones as well that these heroes come against, right? Now, maybe you can't name them. Okay, basically, we've got the good guys, but we also have the bad guys, all right? And throughout these movies, we see that they are not only good at lying, they are excellent at deceiving, even some of our heroes, even some of the characters that developed to join the Avengers later. Once they become part of that team, their eyes had been opened to the deception of this villain, the enemy. You see, these villains, they have a purpose and they are very passionate about that purpose. And they truly say some nice things. They say that their desire is to restore the earth to this utopian uh, landscape where people are grateful for what they have. That sounds pretty good on the surface. They say that they, they wanna make sure that there's no more war, that there's no more famine and no more lack of resource in the entire universe. And they have a plan. And if we stick to that plan, then it'll work. Again, they use these things to deceive even some of our heroes. They have a massive following because they are great at lying. You see, these villains have godlike power. Or they pursue it throughout these movies to, to gain the ultimate control. Even at one point, one of these villains having so much power in just one hand that he can snap his fingers and change the entire universe. They have godlike power, and they seem to all have this unreal amount of knowledge, of information about the world and the different planets of the universe, and, and how each one of them work and how they can operate most effectively, fulfilling what they would like in those areas. They have godlike power, godlike knowledge, and they firmly believe that what they do will make a better universe or world for everyone. Of course, this all centers around them being the one in control of that new universe. You see, these villains, they are great at deceiving others, but they themselves are deceived. You see, they have all this awareness, all of this knowledge and all of this power, yet they can't see how prideful they are and how great the fall will be from grace for them. We know that these villains would use anything in their resources to fulfill their calling, but being deceived, it will never take place the way they want it. Thanos, one of these figures, accomplishes his great goal of eliminating half of all the living life in the entire universe, again, with just a snap of his fingers. But then in the next movie, we find that he alienates himself because it didn't quite turn out the way that he thought it would. He had failed in a great way. You see, Marvel tells us that villains are deceptive, but the gospel says that evil is deceptive and that all of us have once been deceived. Consider the Genesis account between Eve and the snake. You see, the context being that at the very beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve the only two beings that he formed with his own hands and breathed his own breath of life into. That's something special. He communed with them, he spent time with them. They had real conversations together as they strolled in the cool of the evening in the garden. It was beautiful. The world was without blemish. There was no war, there was no sin, but there was a deceiver in the garden. There's a conversation that takes place at this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God told Adam and Eve both, listen, you can have anything in this garden, but you have to choose to stay away from that tree. Do not partake of its fruit. The snake came to her and deceived her. We often uh, refer to the enemy, the devil, Satan, as the deceiver. He is the king of lies. He's a master of lies. Because Eve fell to that deception, sin entered the world. And we now see the results of that sin over generation after generation, thousands and thousands of years. And we find our world as it is today. We are born into sin. The climate, the culture will always reflect sin if it is not redeemed by what we shared earlier the blood of Jesus. Consider Jesus' own temptation. Jesus never sinned. He did not fall into temptation. But after he was baptized, before he would have public ministry, he was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. Let me say this real quick. It is never a sin to be tempted. Do not be ashamed if you are tempted. That is the first scheme of the enemy and the lie. If you are tempted in an area, find someone in your community here at this church or somebody that loves and cares for you and bring it to light. Because it cannot grow in the light. It cannot go past that point. If you have someone standing with you, this is why we need a team. Hey, I'm being tempted. I need someone to stand with me. Because it will no longer grow from that. If it does, bring two or three people from your team. Keep going at it. You see, it is not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to fall into temptation. Jesus was tempted by the, by the devil for 40 days in the desert. The devil twisted the words of God, quoted, misquoted, just a little bit of scripture as he tempted Jesus to do all kinds of works. You see, the deceiver himself, the evil one, our adversary, he cannot stand toe to toe with God. God is more powerful God is greater. God even created Satan as an angel in heaven, Revelation tells us. He fell from grace because he wanted to be equal with God and was unable. The enemy knows that his time is limited, that God ultimately has victory in his hand against him. But what the enemy would like to do is he would like to deceive us and get us to compromise our life, to give up our birthright, the purpose for which God made us in our mother's womb. And he would like us to come along with something else. He would like us to join a movement, to be a part of another plan. He would like us to follow the desires of our heart, which we learned week one with Disney, that leads us to to fault, that leads us to failure, that leads us to death, because even our own heart is deceptive and evil. The enemy can't stand toe to toe with the truth so he tries to twist it just a little bit. We shared this a couple weeks ago that the greatest lie is 99% truth. I don't know if you have kids today, maybe that's just the season, it is the season that I'm in. But when you ask your children to do something, like clean up their room, and you come home from work and they've been home long enough to clean up their room and you say, all right, did we get our chores done? we. Well, We picked up. All right. Did you make your bed? Uh, We pulled the covers up. Okay. And then the final question I always ask is, is it to my standard? Is it how I would do it? And that's when it's like, all right, that 1% comes out and they race upstairs before I get there and they start throwing stuff in drawers and in the closet and they they tidy up the bed, right? (laughs) But there's that 1%. They were hoping I'd come in and I'd and say, hey, did you guys clean your room? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we picked up. And I would go, okay, great, let's go play. Take off your shirt. <laughs> the greatest lie is 99% truth, but it is still a lie. You see, not only are teams having to deal like our heroes do in the Avengers with conflict within, trying to figure out where their position is and where their gifts lie. We also compete with that here in our church family. We try to navigate that well because we value each other and love each other. We all have a very special purpose. But oftentimes, as the Avengers see, there is an attack from external forces on our community and the people that we fellowship with. Again, Paul, another letter to the church in Corinth is addressing this. There's an external force that is seeking to take control by deception of this new movement, this pure movement. You see, the early church was seeing signs and wonders take place. The power of God was moving greatly amongst them through the Holy Spirit and they were adding to their numbers daily. This was a force to be reckoned with. They took care of their needs so they didn't need someone to come in and bankroll them. They didn't need anybody to give them permission because they were bold in their faith even to give their life. What an amazing cause. But there were local authorities. There were local influencers that sought to deceive them, separate them from Paul, who was their spiritual father, the one that first brought the gospel to them and hijacked their movement. Here's Paul as he addresses this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 starting in verse 13 says this. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Like I said, there was this outward force that was trying to grab a hold of this movement and turn them even the smallest degree away from Paul, the apostle who had brought them the word of God to begin with. There are so many movements today, if you would think for just a moment, of a great cause turned bad. We've seen in the last couple of days, I'm not going political in the last couple of years, excuse me, some of these great groups with great funding and they were for a good cause be hijacked by others who had another plan for them. I truly believe that at heart, at the beginning of most of these movements were people that really wanted a change for good in this world and in our country. But there were others that came in and they turned it They gave just 99% truth to their intentions, but that 1% of lie led them astray. And what was good begins to support evil and evil being deceptive overcame the movement. Again, we must be watchful of this. Pastor Kendall said this in week two when we talked about Harry Styles. If we say we are followers of Jesus, we should probably get to know him more. We should probably know God's character. We should probably know his word. And if we say we are Christians, maybe we should value his word enough to read it. Now, again, I'm not saying that to anybody here in the room. Obviously, we all read the Bible every day and spend time in the presence of God, right? Amen, yeah, we do. Um, I'm not giving you a chance to say anything there. Um, But listen, if we are going to see the lie in the midst of truth, we must know the truth. We must understand our place in the word of God. You see, because we are no longer slaves to sin, but because we are redeemed, our minds have been transformed, right, by the work of God in us, and we should know the truth and we should hold it against the lie because the truth far outweighs the lie. It can't stand against the truth of God, just like the deceiver can't stand toe-to-toe with God. It is that same victory that we should approach his word. We should know his word and be able to come against the enemy's schemes. The gospel according to Marvel says that death is required to solve evil. Again, I'm not promoting that you watch Marvel movies with your kids. Um, I would actually give you uh, a strong word of caution. Please, if you are gonna watch these movies, please check them out first. Um, make sure that the level of violence and that kind of stuff is, is appropriate for your child. It, it really does. If you were a comic fan of Marvel, they really have, unfortunately, stepped up their game in this area. So please take a look at that before you share that with your children. But that's one of the things that my boys have the hardest time embracing with their heroes and their story is death. Why do they always talk about death? Why does someone always have to die? Well, it's a theme of Marvel. Death is required. Even the villains know this. Again, if we can remove ourselves from, for a second from judging them because they are the big, purple, scary bad guy, okay? They're ugly and we don't wanna be around them because we're perfect and we're always right. We're always the hero in the story, aren't we? We don't ever relate to the, to the villain, do we? Unless it's Star Wars, embrace the dark side. Anyway, <laughs> different story, different day. But even the villains being deceived themselves by evil they understand that there is a great cost to overcome evil. Their understanding is misplaced because like I mentioned, one villain earlier said that he would eliminate half of the entire living population of the universe to overcome evil. Unfortunately, though, being deceived, you can't overcome evil with more evil because it still exists unless you eliminate yourself, which the villains weren't willing to do that, were they? In any story, the evil guy thinks he can overcome evil by doing more evil. Thanos himself has to face this reckoning in one of the last films of this Marvel franchise of Avengers, where he is pursuing one last element of a collection that would allow him to have all the power that he needed to affect change in just an instant throughout the entire universe. There's a keeper, a guard of this element that makes it clear to him that this villain would have to give up the thing he most loved in order to receive this power. The villain has an emotional moment, but he is prepared because he is deceptive as he has brought his own daughter, Gamora. He's purple, she's green. I don't understand how that works. And he has to sacrifice her to receive this element. You see, he has a hard time reconciling this great cost. But ultimately he deems that he is worthy of the power and she must die. She is murdered. Let me be very clear. This is not a willing sacrifice. She fights him and begs him and claws at him until he ultimately kills her. Death is required to solve evil, Marvel says. We see this also with our heroes. Our heroes in these movies, any great hero is defined in the way that they view death. There are two Avengers that are lesser Avengers, I think. I wanna tread lightly because they're cooler than I am. But one is named Hawkeye and the other one is named Black Widow, okay? Both of them have a background as uh, well-funded, um, very well-experienced assassins. Before they became Avengers, became, before they became the good guys and realized their training could be used for good, they used it for bad for so long. And when we're introduced to these two characters, they bond together in relationship because of the great hurt of their past. I wonder if you've experienced that in this community here at Summit. Maybe you've made some bad decisions in your past and you regret those things. I hope that there is somebody in this body that has been a part of your small group or has been a part of your dream team that has lifted you up and said what they continually reminded each other. You are not defined by your past. You see, in church, we say you're a child of God. You're redeemed and God can continue to restore your life. In this movie, these two characters didn't really have that connection, but with one another, they reminded each other, hey, you're a good person. You're on the good side now. These two characters had such a tight relationship that's emphasized throughout these movies. It comes all to a climax and ultimately to an end in a similar moment as this villain that we just mentioned. In order to stop evil from overcoming the earth and having the upper hand, these two came to a realization that one would have to die for the good of all humanity. In this scene, both Hawkeye and Black Widow fight for each other to see who would die. No, not who would be forced to die, but who would have the honor to die for ultimately good to win. It's a very touching scene. The Avengers come to a conclusion in their very last movie of the Avengers series, Endgame around New Year's, a lot of people like to sync their phones up with the video of this moment that we're gonna share here in this iconic scene. If you're a Marvel fan, you know what I'm talking about. If not, that's okay, we'll show you sometime. But there's a galactic battle that takes place. It is the battle of all battles. This is the end game of it all. Good versus evil. All of the Avengers, all of their allies, from all the galaxies, from all over, come against ultimate evil, the worst villains, the ugliest allies of these villains. And they all meet in one place. At some point, the Avengers go back and forth, but it seems like towards the end, they begin to lose the upper hand. And everybody realizes that they are about to fail. Earlier in the movie, actually in the prequel to this movie, they are told that there is only one chance, one chance in hundreds of millions of chances, one, that they will succeed in beating evil. They're not sure what that is, but Iron Man, seeking to be that one chance, overcomes the villain, grabs the source of ultimate power from him. And with the click of his fingers, He decides that he will overcome evil. Fully recognizing that his wife and child, which he has said time and time again throughout this series, are his number one focus in life. See, he had a heart transformation too. Iron Man, Tony Stark. See, because every time for the last two movies at least, that the Avengers would come to him, they would visit him, they needed his tech, they needed his mind, they needed his strength and his power. He said, no, this is my calling. This is my greater good, my family, my wife, and my child. But in that last moment, as in his hand, he held the ultimate power to eliminate all evil in the universe. He knew what he was going to give up. He knew that it would cost him his life for when this power was activated, it would run through his own body and destroy him as well. He gave the ultimate sacrifice to eliminate evil. Tony Stark and these heroes are not perfect. Thanos, the villain is absolutely not perfect. We're well aware of that. You see, Marvel says death is required to solve evil, but the gospel says Jesus was our perfect sacrifice. You see, we can't just kill enough to eliminate evil. The world that we live in today has a lot of problems. Yes, we have famine. Yes, we have disease. Yes, we have war and threats of war and all these crazy power struggles going on all over the world. We're only aware of a few. But this is not a human problem. This is a spiritual problem. This cannot be solved by humans or by human sacrifice. This is only solved by the sacrifice of one. You see, you can't wash yourself clean with something that is dirty, right? How many ladies have gotten into the shower after your husband used the soap and he'd been working on his truck? He had grease all over his hands and so there's grease left on that soap bar. You're not using that. You're not gonna get clean. But there is one. We read about him in scripture. We know him in our hearts. We share about him every time our community comes together. He came from above, became a mere man. I know this sounds like a Marvel comic, but no. He lived a real life as a real human. He was without blemish. He did not sin, although he was tempted like we were and like we are, he never sinned. He came as a reflection of the heart of God for us, the character of God, who he is. and then he submitted himself to be the sacrifice for us. First John chapter two says this, he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. It wasn't enough to destroy half of all life in the universe in Marvel. And indeed, if anybody had that ability to do that today, it still would not be enough. Evil would still reside here. The only answer is the perfect sacrifice. He showed us God's love for us, but then God raised him from the dead and he sits at the right hand of the father, praying on our behalf, encouraging us, petitioning to the father saying, I died for them. You can redeem them. Your promises are for them. Just the same. You see, we are also familiar with the third chapter of John. Maybe you're watching a football game or watching a sporting event and you saw a sign in the end zone that said John 3, 16. You see, but there's another verse, 17, that comes after that. I wanna share the two of them together with you today because this is the good news. This is the gospel. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In the Marvel universe, these villains come into the world to condemn it. They come in to enact change, to usurp power, to take the knowledge that they have, to do what they want to do, to condemn evil. Jesus didn't do that. He came to save the world through his sacrifice. That is the good news. Now, whether you're sitting here in person or you're watching us online, I want you to know that that sacrifice was for you. If you were the only one that needed saving, he would have come for you. that should change things for us. That should change the way that we see him. He didn't come so that he could lord over us or force us to do anything. But what he did was he freed us to have the right to choose to serve him and no longer the sin that we were trapped in. What I wanna do right now is I wanna say goodbye to all of our folks in Blairsville. Thank you for joining us this morning. I wanna let you know it's an honor to be your pastor I love you very much. Have a great weekend. I'd like to take a moment as we finish our time together today for us that are watching online and us that are in the room. I want us to take a minute and respond to the true gospel. I know we had fun and thank you for coming today. If you're a Marvel head, um, thank you for tolerating my ignorance. But this is the gospel. You see, God's word created us not to live a life alone, but to live in community with one another. You see, because not only did he restore relationship between us and God, but he restored us in relationship to another. And he continues to work that out through his Holy Spirit in us. You see, there's this process once we've received him, this process called sanctification. That's a million dollar word that basically said there is a washing that takes place because I don't know about you, but uh, I've been transplanted here in Western Pennsylvania. There are some things that I'm uh, used to, that I'm accustomed to, maybe food or the way people talk or the way people act. That's just a little different here, not bad, it's just different. And I constantly find myself looking for those things here. Now, the Lord's very clear, he called Alicia, my wife and I here and our family here for the purpose that he has for us. So I have to let go of those things to walk forward in what he's called us to do. Church, we were bound in sin. We were deceived by evil for so long. Maybe that was a long time ago for you, but don't forget that the enemy comes to tempt us and deceive us regularly. Maybe you're pursuing uh, your own financial venture, Now, money's not bad, but if that's taking place above the calling that God has on your life, that's a real problem. Or maybe you're leading your spouse in a way like someone else taught you, but it doesn't line up with the word of God. Or maybe you're a young person in the room today, and you say, man, I really want to know what the plan is for my life. Listen, have you looked at his word? Have you heard who he calls you? You're his, his own with a great purpose. See, There is a washing that takes place when we enter into a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with his people that wash away the old and bring in the new today. Maybe we need to embrace that. Maybe today you heard that there was somebody that not just a fictional hero, but somebody that actually came, lived a perfect life without sin, doesn't want to dominate you as some totalitarian leader, but wants to love you and bring you freedom today. And that changes things for you. And you want to respond to that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would you bow your heads with me for just one moment? Lord, I pray that you would lead us in this time as we respond to you. Lord, thank you for your word. This great news that we don't have to win over evil. But Lord, you already have through your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts whether there are areas of this message that we share today, areas of your word that we need to apply today. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of this room different, that we would make decisions today that changes the way that we see community and that we see our own calling. Lord, let us trust your word over our own desires. Lord, let us go to you first before we make plans for our lives. Lord, I pray today for someone in this room that wants to start a relationship with the one who sacrificed everything for them. That is not some comic book character, but is you, Jesus. I pray that you would give us boldness to do that today. Now with heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you are in this room today or you are watching online, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to this one that sacrificed so much for you. He loves you. He's not gonna ask you to pay back the price of your sin, but he wants to have a relationship with you. The word of God says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. So we're gonna take a moment and do that. But if today you would say, I would like to start a relationship with Jesus, would you just indicate that real quick without anybody looking around by just raising your hand? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. We want to stand with you as a family in the decision that you've made. We are a community of believers that encourage one another into becoming more like Jesus. And making a decision to walk in relationship with Him today gets us closer to that. So, as I pray this prayer, I would ask that everybody in the room, if you're watching online, If you would take a moment and just repeat this prayer with me, dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and you saved me. You made a way for my sins to be forgiven with your sacrifice. Forgive me today. I receive you and I ask that you would lead me in a new life in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise? Yeah. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Well, listen, it's become our custom here at Summit Church to share one last song, but I want to say this first. If you received Christ today for the first time, you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart for the very first time, there is something special that took place. And again, we are a community of believers, not just a place where a bunch of different believers come together. And so we wanna stand with you in that decision you made, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, we'd like to connect with you. We'd like to give you resources as you walk this new life led by Christ. We'd like to resource you with a Bible and everything that you need in that walk, but we would like to connect with you. The best way for us to do that is, there's a couple different ways. One is for you to pull out your smartphone, wherever you're watching from, or if you're here in the room, you can text the word PA to 94000, or you can go ahead and scan this cool QR code right there on the screen, and we'll be in touch with you. It's amazing. The kingdom of heaven celebrates and throws a huge party when people come to know Christ for the first time. That is a big deal and something to rejoice about. Would you stand with me for just one moment, if you are able? We're going to share one last song of response. And when we do, when we start that song, members of our prayer team will come forward. We would love to stand with you and care for you, carry your burdens with you. If you would like anybody to agree with you in prayer, we believe that cha- that prayer together changes things. So please, as we share this song in response, would you come up to the front and pray with one of our prayer team members? Thank you.